Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Game World Cup Daily from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer and thank you for joining us. We have been here every match day of the World Cup, podcasting after 10 o'clock UK time every night. Uh, she's been our correspondent in Kazan, but I'm delighted to say that Alison Rudd is here with me in the studio. She's come home, Alison. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And in uh, St. Petersburg, not home just yet, it's Matt Dickinson. Hi, Matt. Hello. Speak to you in a moment. Uh, later on, Henry Winter will be joining us as we look ahead to the World Cup final, France versus Croatia. But first, England's campaign is officially over. Gareth Southgate side losing to Belgium for the second time in this tournament, this time by two goals to nil. Belgium finished third then. That is their best ever World Cup finish. England end the tournament in fourth place. It wasn't quite the B teams in action again. Belgium made two changes. England made five. Uh, Matt, you were there. The best team won, didn't they? Uh, yes, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It was, um, I mean, Belgium, I was at the Martinez press conference after the semi-final and he, you know, he was quite explicit that he wanted to win because, as you say, it'd be Belgium's best uh, performance at a World Cup. And, and I think, you know, he, he felt that was a, a sort of um, stamp of success on it. Um, so they put, they put out the, the, their best team, more or less, and... and you know, not surprisingly, uh, Hazard and De Bruyne are the best players on the pitch. And um, was it not for some pretty clunky finishing from uh, Lukaku, a couple of terrible touches, um, they could have won with a, a bit of fair, I think. Uh, Alison, England finishing fourth then, as I, I've already mentioned, that surpasses most fans' expectations, doesn't it? Before the ball was even kicked out in Russia. Yeah, and but, you know, it's, it's a catch-22, isn't it? If there hadn't been that lack of expectation they probably wouldn't have finished fourth it was that freedom they had and that I think probably was the cleverest thing about the whole um, way that Southgate managed the England operation was to create a lack of expectation and actually that's a really tough thing to do it's like it's like taking a baton and orchestrating the people and telling them how to feel normally you can't do that um Politicians can't do that. Leaders can't do that. But somehow Gareth Southgate, by just banging on about how this is a work in progress, these are young players, they're not going to respond well to high expectation and this is just one step in his journey. And he said it so often and with such earnestness and niceness and politeness that more or less everybody, the media, the people out there reading the media, the, the people watching telly, they decided to buy into it and say, OK, 
it's about you know we're fed up of having high expectations and maybe maybe Gareth Southgate is right this is a young team who won't do much and because it was a believable lack of expectation because it wasn't fake because they did go into it more or less with a chance to try and experiment or learn from each other and learn how to play for England without your shoulders drooping through it being a difficult um, thing to do they were able to express themselves sufficiently to get to fourth but I don't think I don't think we've seen anything at any point in the tournament that made me think "Ooh, what if they they could have made the final I mean fourth is 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 quite a generous almost lucky place to be I would say mm. maybe Gareth Southgate for PM then the way you spoke about him. He's sort of charmed us all, hasn't he? Well, there's so little charm in politics at the moment. And then, yes, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but Matt, right back, Thomas Munier. Let's let's talk about the game then. He converted Nasser Chadley's cross after four minutes. Uh, Munier becoming the 10th Belgian player to score at this tournament. But Roy Keane on ITV was uh, certainly scathing about Danny Rose's role in the goal. Yeah, no, he got... Um, he just found himself um, a yard behind him. It was pretty obvious that there was going to be that cross coming in. So... As, as as the man at the back and, and knowing that uh, he just yeah just got caught and um, I think Danny Rose hadn't looked quite I mean I, I, I was an advocate for Rose's left foot balance you know on that side but I, I think we've seen enough to see that he doesn't look quite um, at his sharpest um, I mean he had he admitted at the start of the tournament he felt almost sort of lucky to be going because he's had such a disrupted season so I think the selection of Ashley Young has, has sort of looked more obvious with a with a moment like that. The first half was just really, really flat from England. And I think we've just, I mean, following on from Alison's point, I think we've just had a bit of a sort of, you know, on the one hand, as you say, it's been beyond anyone's reasonable expectations. Um, but the last sort of few days have been a probably a bit of a sobering sort of shower in the sense that we, you know, we are not the fourth best team in the world. We just ha- we came forth because of a, a combination of circumstances you know, we had a well-drilled team, excellent set pieces, and made the most of sort of happenstance of a, of a softer side of the draw. So, you know, and we won a penalty shootout. So, you know, there's a sort of tick list of games from this tournament, absolutely. And I think the biggest is that this squad have sort of wanted to be here and wanted to play for the country and, and looked positive about it. Um, equally, when you play against a team like Belgium today, you just suddenly think, right, we're sort of mid-table um, on the great international scale we're, we're, and we've got a lot to learn and a lot more players to produce of the quality of Aiden Hazard and uh, De Bruyne, among others. Alison, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was given another chance to impress on the same day that Maurizio Sarri was appointed the new manager of his club, Chelsea. How did Loftus-Cheek fare, do you think? I thought he did well. Um, I'm surprised he hasn't been given more game time throughout the tournament, to be honest, given that there is this hole in midfield, which is only exacerbated by the formation that Southgate um, has clung to. If you're not careful, if you play if you play three at the back, it's really five at the back, and then you leave poor old Jordan Henderson, I'm talking about the more competitive games, not the playoff, is just left on his own. I think he could have done with... Um, being able to forge a partnership with Loftus-Cheek actually rather than it being sort of an occasional um, partnership it should have been something they built on and if we have I mean Matt you're absolutely right we look at look at the Belgian team and you look at someone at the performance that Hazard put in and you take a deep sigh and think oh that's what we need to be producing that isn't a surprise we knew that before we started that we didn't have players of that sort so I'm sort of slightly mystified why we didn't take what we did have and make 
that work better for us instead of just sort of yearning for... So you can't say, oh, we don't have someone as talented think, as Eden Hazard and then leave a gap, gap where he would have been. You fill it with other types of players. And I think Loftus-Cheek is, has got imagination and a decent touch and a decent eye and he does mix things up and he does act as that connection between midfield and the front and, and, and give you that link and imagination. And I, I think it might have grown if he'd played him throughout. I think he has got some. Um, I mean, yeah, Rod Hodgson, um, we were before the tournament, Rod Hodgson raving about him. And uh, I mean, as Alison says, he's got a range of skills. One thing I'd like to see more from him is just uh, a bit more urgency. He's got a sort of the language style about him is a sort of joy at one minute and, and to me a frustration the next minute. For a big guy, he's, you know, sort of deceptively languid and, and say that, you know, he, that does allow him, you know, he'll roll a player and, and, and you think, oh, lovely. And then, but then another minute you'll think, where's the snap? I sort of see promise from him, but I, I'm equally I see, I see a need for more and I see a need for just say a bit of sort of change of pace um, about him. Maybe the biggest question about Gareth's sort of handling of his resources is, was the substitutions against Croatia, which, which I felt were were the wrong ones, um, and that's, you know, we're into sort of quibbling territory to say when we have made semi-finals, but, you know, Gareth Southgate is self-critical, um, he's the type of guy who says, you know, he's already been through the tape of Croatia again numerous times trying to, you know, we've got to learn, we've got to keep improving, and, and his sort of game management, I'm sure, will be one of the topics that he says, you know, I've got to, I've got to learn and I've got to do better. Uh, Alison, let's talk about Harry Kane. We've already sort of briefly had a mention about the golden boot that he's on course to win. That is unless Antoine Griezmann can score three or four uh, on Sunday in the final. Uh, Real Madrid have just sold their all-time top scorer in Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, should Tottenham fans be worried? Well, you shouldn't use the World Cup as the uh, shop window, I don't think. Whether you're an established, you're looking at an established player already linked with the big clubs or whether you're an up-and-coming star and you think, ooh, I quite fancy that. I didn't realise how good he could be. It's it's so artificial, the World Cup. And so for that reason, I would say, sure, if you're Real Madrid or someone with lots of money, keep looking at Harry Kane, but you're not going to have been blown off your feet by what he's done at the World Cup. I mean penalties yeah he takes a nice penalty that's really all you'll know from him from the world cup i think matt's right there's something going on there whether he was just maybe he he just didn't want to admit that he he wasn't feeling it he wasn't quite right there's this sort of you know um open a cracker at christmas and one of the jokes is you know harry kane can't can't play in the summer i mean, I mean when he starts for spurs he won't play well in august that's i mean that's the thing about harry kane i think he gives so much that maybe <sighs> Maybe, maybe he gives so much he doesn't give himself long enough when he comes back from injury because he's always back quicker than mm. the medics say he will come back. And maybe he was, as Matt's intimated, just just a little bit tired. But I think the comparison I'd like to make is between Giroud and Kane. Giroud has been getting quite a lot of criticism because he's not scoring and he doesn't look terribly beautiful. But his the role he plays, he makes his teammates play better. He makes the younger players feel confident about the runs they make. He holds the ball up. He's he's physical. He just plays a very good role in knitting together the the attacking force of France. And in a way, Harry Kane is surrounded by fast players in the same way who need to know what their pattern is and what they can do. And I think maybe it was asking too much for him to be the captain and to be someone who might score all England's goals from set pieces and bring others into play. But I do feel that was a missed opportunity that somehow 
that sort of hold-up play, he just didn't quite have it. There were glimpses of it, but it didn't. he didn't quite knit together the younger, faster members of that England team in the way, um, ideally, I would have hoped. Well, let's look forwards then. Uh, in our last podcast, we spoke about the future being bright with the younger England uh, teams winning World Cups. Looking at this current senior side, you've all both of you sort of already have spoken about sort of what's missing but where can the improvements be made to this England team and where will Gareth Southgate be looking for, for an upgrade I'll start with you Alison well I think he's said that he's he's looked at the the youth teams that have played and won tournaments at all levels whether you're talking under 21 under 19 or whatever there, there, there is vast improvement in the younger national sides coming through and he is hopeful that stars will emerge. Um, Foden of City is one that is often mentioned because he's sort of mature beyond his years, I think, and he's got a little bit of Premier League experience with the best Premier League team in the country. In a way, that's what, what Southgate's done, he's, he's, and that's how he's convinced people that not to have too high expectations this time around, because he wants those young players to catch up with the ones who in two and then four years' time will be maturing and at their peak and maybe, maybe we'll find someone who has beautiful skill in the interim who can fill that hole. I wouldn't go down that path, actually, because we've not done it. We continue to not do it for years and years and years. It's not, it's not the way English football works. I would rather say English football is like this and you play, I would have played 4-4-2 and I would have imposed all the best things that England have rather than yearning for something we don't have. We just don't produce players like Eden Hazard in this country. We could spend three weeks discussing the reasons why, but it's not how we operate. We're fast, we're furious, we're physical, we're competitive and we do have people who can pass a ball and thread a ball through but those are sort of glimmers through a game rather than the entire pattern of a game I would rather see Southgate decide I know what England is rather than I know what I want England to be and then make sure we play to our strengths mm. Matt what what do you think? Um, well, I think I think with the players we've got I, I think you know this is, team has been the sum of its parts more than most England teams I've seen in the last 20 years and you know I think when they were playing well, they were playing sort of you know, close to what they're cap- capable of. And say, so how many England teams have we seen underachieve? I actually don't mind the system. I think you know, trying to get more patience. I mean, it, it, it faltered against Croatia, and that was in some ways the biggest worry. This is a system and a style that Gareth Southgate wants to be able to take the sting out of the game. And that's why I come back to this Plan B idea. I mean, I spoke to a couple of guys who I really respect as coaches. They were saying that you know when we've been uh, outnumbered on the flanks and Croatia were causing all that problem there, the the, the obvious solution um, was to go four three three, match them up basically, and get more cover down those sides. And, and that's you know Gareth Southgate has avoided going down a big plan B route in, in the last sort of six months or so since he's been bedding in this new system. And I understand why, but I think that's clearly one of the, the challenges ahead. If we get to a Croatia game like that or a circumstance like that, he's got to have a more radical, dramatic solution to the problem. And so that's one issue. I don't, you know, there, because there is no cavalry to arrive. I mean, Oxley chamberlain Lalana, maybe of the young players, are, I think the only one who's probably sort of realistically could suddenly be sort of rapidly promoted up is Sessegnon um, because we do need a, a left wing back and he's 
versatile and, and by all accounts, extremely mature young man. So I think he, you know, much more than a Foden who, you know, Man City just signed Mares. Um, <laughs> you look at their, their roster and you think, how's he even going to get on the bench, never mind the game? So I think, they, you know, there, there are a few players to swap in. The games from here will be incremental. I think he's, Gareth Southgate's made some big games in terms of mentality, belief. I think he's established a stable system. And I think it's just a question of within that system, you know, making it the best it can be and developing now uh, a plan B when, if and when we get to a position like Croatia where, the, you know, we've suddenly got a back five, not a back three. And because of that, the midfield starts to lose its sort of simple passing options and we just start to get overrun. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Game. World Cup Daily from The Times with Natalie Sawyer. Head to Talk Sport at four o'clock on Sunday to hear the World Cup final. France versus Croatia is live on Talk Sport. And we have a competition for our listeners. If you correctly predict the final score and winning team in the final, you can be in with a chance of winning an Amazon Echo worth £90. Open to UK residents aged 18 and over. The competition ends at 1.59pm on Sunday, the 15th of July 2018. To enter and for full terms and conditions, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash win. Best of luck. Henry Winter joins us now. And uh, Henry, you've just been spending some time with the England fans. Was that an emotional experience? Oh, very emotional. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I feel they're in a good place, the England uh, fans. Well, in many sense, because uh, St. Petersburg is, is a very good place. So um, I don't think they really wanted to talk to me too long. I think they just wanted to get out into the Nevsky Prospect and enjoy the sort of bars and the clubs there. And it's a glorious evening. I mean, absolutely stunning evening. The sun is sort of melting into the uh, the Gulf of Finland. The England fans, I think, you know, there's a reality check in the last two games against classy midfields with Modric in one and De Bruyne in the other. Um, but, you know, that's no real surprise. I think they're just pleased that England got this far and, and played pretty well on most of the way. 
Yeah, you say that obviously England got uh, pretty far, which was a surprise to to, uh, to many. Uh, how has Gareth Southgate's stock risen internationally, Henry? Oh, totally risen internationally. I mean, just I'm in the media centre now and just talking to uh, journalists from overseas. So I've been going to sort of tournaments with and sort of known well for about two thirds of my life, it seems. And they're coming up saying, you know, we really enjoy watching England now. You can see a tactical threat. Maybe one of the two of the substitutions. Obviously, there are issues with central. Uh, midfield creativity, which everyone predicted on the eve of the tournament. Um, but yeah, I think his stock has absolutely risen. I don't think he's going to be walking away anytime soon. I think he's got um, he's got a mission. Um, maybe winning a semi-final at Wembley on penalties might uh, feature in his mind with Euro 2020 coming up. But well, you can see England's development, but uh, there are issues that have to be addressed, which he'll go away and focus on now. Let's turn our attention to the World Cup final. History will be made in Moscow one way or the other. Croatia are looking to win the World Cup for the first time ever. Well, Didier Deschamps is aiming to become only the third man ever to win the tournament as a player and a manager. Goodness. Alison, let's first of all, let's just go straight in and, and ask you what you think is going to happen. Oh, I think it's going to be an incredibly tight game. Um, really, really close. Because I sort of feel the two most impressive teams have got there. Or at least the two teams that have maximised what they have available. Both have a blend of defensive nous, pragmatism and flair. They're not afraid, either team, to put the pragmatism first, flair second. So it could be a bloody awful game, actually. <laughs> but let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, let's talk about France first, because I saw a lot of them. And in fact, I feel like I've, I feel like a mother who's seen a child grow up with France, because the first, I was there for the France Australia game, and France won, but they won. They won thanks to technology, because one of their goals was would not have been given if it hadn't been for the goal line technology, and one of their penalties wouldn't have been awarded if it hadn't been for VAR. So in that sense, although although you could say well doesn't matter but it, you know it, it was it was a 21st century victory over a team that were on papers really 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 not very good at all and France were all at sea and everything was going wrong for them we've spoken about how how well Southgate has done at creating the the backdrop he wanted to allow his team to grow it was the opposite for France they had the media on their backs Deschamps was being criticized the French public did not like the fact he has this array of talent at his disposal and you automatically expect it to produce something vaguely beautiful and it wasn't. It was it was messy and disjointed and nobody could tell what team he was going to pick and it was very strange and even though they won their opening game, afterwards the, the questions being fired at Deschamps were as if it was a manager who was on the verge of being sacked or, you know, this complete disconnect. How could you be this terrible? This is letting down the nation. You've got to admire somebody and it's in, and he's reflected how he was as a player as well because he got criticism for being a rather boring player. But he, he kept going. And he has done what very few managers will do is never looked weak, never looked like the criticism has hurt him, but he has responded to performances not being right. And he's put Giroud on, and as I've already said, when I've compared Giroud to, to Harry Kane, he, you know, it's not about the individual, it's about how he makes the team work. And he has, by putting Giroud on the pitch, he has allowed a player like Mbappe to shine. France are impressive because 
they have adapted. They have adapted and they have a manager who you sort of feel will do whatever it takes. And if, it, if they get an early goal and it's the most suffocatingly dull match thereafter, he won't care. And neither will the rest of France. They've now t- changed their minds. They don't mind either because no. winning is all that matters. Yeah, don't have to win pretty. No. Uh, Croatia, of course, are the, the first team to play extra time in three consecutive World Cup matches since England at Italian 90. Uh, as a result of that and the fact France are yet to play extra time, Croatia have actually played 90 minutes more than the French at this tournament. So uh, do you think that's a big advantage for France? Well, everyone's saying that, but I think if you look at the, you know, the Croatians, they have this resilience, they have this mental toughness that even when they're out on their feet, their heart beats strong and they're just, you know, when they put that shirt on, they absolutely want to deliver. I mean, I think England fans were hoping that would be the same when England played them in the in the in the uh, semis, and yet they were they were fantastic in, you know, game more on. So I, I think this whole physical thing is psychological, and the one thing that Croatians are, well, one of the many things they've got going for them is just how tough they are mentally. So, look, France are a terrific team. I can see why they're favourites, but when you've got the quality of, you know, Modric and Rakitic and Persic and individual Edic, people like that, you know, it's and a, and a, and a defence which is tough and a goalkeeper, Subasic, who I, I think is in the top three in the world now, certainly in this tournament. You know, they're absolutely going to have a chance. And they'll be up for this, definitely. Uh, Alison, you've mentioned the fact that they're a small nation. They're also a smaller squad than, than everyone else that has participated in the, in the World Cup. The Croatian manager Zlatko Dalic has had to deal with a number of disciplinary issues, uh, one of which was having to send home Nikola Kalinic. That was after Kalinic had reportedly refused to come on as a substitute in their opening game against Nigeria. What does that say about Dalic, those decisions that he's able to make? You see, the thing is, with hindsight, it makes him look like he's a great statesman because they're not losing. If mm. if he'd made those decisions and been the tough guy and then they played rubbish, then everyone would say, you just don't know how to man-manage your team. Mm-hmm. I just think it's impossible to know clearly if there were other players cross with him for reacting in that way. They've hidden it well. A good manager and the people around him take any adversity and they make it a positive so somehow behind the scenes he has made that into something that has made the team stronger I mean I don't know a psychologist would probably say that shouldn't happen but I think he clearly can and it's the only proof is in is in their attitude when they play and they play like they are very tightly knit and don't harbour any grudges towards their manager. (laughs) Has uh, Dalic put himself on the map then? Do you think? Oh, any anyone who gets to this stage of the World Cup has absolutely, and also, oh, it's, every manager has a list of different problems. So, you could say with Roberto Martinez, the problem is, who do you not take to Russia, and then how do you? You know, I've heard people saying it in the pub. Oh, you know, why is he not playing Dembele? Why does he not? Does he not realise how brilliant he is? Oh, he's stupid. It, it, having too much talent at your disposal gives you a whole set of problems because you can't win in a way. You can still play amazingly beautiful football and there'll still be people doubting why you... Did you have a, a row with that player? Why isn't he playing? He's obviously brilliant for my team. So you can have an embarrassment of riches and it's really hard to please everybody. And unless you produce something um, sumptuous every time and effective, people will always be criticising you for not knowing how to handle big names and big stars and big players. The flip side is you're a manager who has 
a limited amount of talent. A nation of four, four million people can only produce so many good footballers. And in a way, you're trying to piece them together and make the best of what you've got. I suspect he's got very lucky because if you look at if you look at the probable lineup for the World Cup final, there isn't actually a gap. You can't say, oh, they <laughs> Croatia, you know, oh, why are they coping there? They don't seem to have the right number of central defenders. Their central defenders are doing very well. There is no gap. So while we bang on about teams like Belgium having the sort of golden generation, it might be that Croatia have a golden generation, but we never think of giving them that tag because they're so small. You assume they can't have a golden generation, but this might be. It might just beautifully just landed in his lap. <laughs> well, France and uh, Croatia met in the semi-finals 20 years ago, Henry. Lillian Turam was the unlikely goal-scoring hero that day, scoring twice to lead France to the final. So who do you think will be the hero come Sunday? Well, I think a lot of people are looking at Mbappe. I think I mean, this has been a really good World Cup, but for it to stand with 17-82, it needs a great final. So, and it also needs, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to Croatia, particularly after they played so well against England, but you almost need this, this fine French team to win it because, you know, they're a great sporting powerhouse. They've got some fabulous players. You look at Griezmann, you look at Mbappe. And I think Mbappe, if, if, if he takes the game by the scruff of the neck, starts running, you know, with that skill he's got and just what a fantastic player he is, then you can see why the French are uh, are, are favourites. I, I would like to see a French win because I just think it will cast a sort of golden glow onto this fantastic tournament and probably will put it up in the top three World Cups of all time. Well, my player of the tournament is Modric. And although that's an obvious player to choose, it means more for me to say it because I've never been like a massive Modric fan. He's not someone I've drooled over for years and years and years I've always noted his ability of course but I in this tournament I just think if you could pick anyone if you just if there was like a a joker you could pull you'd have to pick anyone you wanted to be in your team and had to change nationality and all that you'd pick him because I just think he's got everything he's got the tenacity I've mentioned he's got beautiful skill he has vision for the amount of effort and beauty he's given the tournament so far and bravery missing a penalty than taking a penalty I, I just think that's amazing mm-hmm. I, I, w- I want him to be the star and I think if Croatia are going to pull off a surprise because France is so strong and so pragmatic I think they need uh, Modric to have the game of his life and I think he's more than capable of doing something not just not just one thing he's not just there to do one thing like Mbappe might just make one run that leads to a goal Modric will do so much throughout the match and one of the things one of the many things he will do will be the thing that gets Croatia over the line that's um, that's a hope rather than a prediction actually Okay, so that's your heart. That's my heart. Does your head go with France, though? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, lastly, Henry, just personally from you, what will you take away from your time in Russia? Ooh, well, I lost a stone and a half of weight. Um, uh, Was was the food not um, up to to scratch? No, the food, honestly, the food out here is really good. No, no, I've just been running every morning, getting up at sort of five, wow. six and going off for long runs. And it's been warm, so you can get... I'm not as fit as, uh, as Matt Dickinson. He's been sort of lapping the Gulf of Finland most mornings <laughs> or the Moscow ring rail. I mean, he's super fit, so I don't go running with him because I'd probably come back in an ambulance. But, uh, yeah, it's just the whole experience. I mean, it's, it's a country I like anyway. I understand all the sort of political issues at the top, 
But on the very ground, street level, people have been so helpful. You know, they've gone out of their way to, uh, you know, just to sort of come up and say, are you doing okay? You know, mainly because I'm, I look permanently lost that people come up and say, how can we help or whatever. The metro system in St. Petersburg and um, Moscow, like art galleries with uh, the train tracks, they're just, they are stunning. But definitely, I'd recommend anyone to come to these two uh, to, to, to these two places. I just think, probably, ultimately, just talking to, to to the fans earlier, just the volunteers, volunteers who are aged between 18 and 22, 23, um, girls and boys, and they've just been absolutely brilliant. You know, they're smiling, they're happy. You know, they're just they're dancing. I mean, any music that comes on, they're dancing, and it's nothing effective. There's no cheerleader element to it. They just they just like that. So they've been absolutely brilliant, totally natural, and a lot of friendships have been made between English fans and, and Russians. And as we see that the worrying tensions between the two countries and between two two sort of politicians, whatever, then it's actually quite good. There's some hope at um, you know at, sort of at the street level. So uh, I, I would I would say that I would just say you know man's ability to, to talk to the man even without knowing their language. You know I think it's been. It's been quite special. We've been giving you a Times trivia teaser question every day on every podcast as provided by Times statistician Bill Edgar. Last time out, we asked you, at the 2002 World Cup, the third-place playoff was contested by two teams who, aside from that year, have never even reached the quarterfinals. Who are those two teams? Well, the answer was the host nation, South Korea, and Turkey, who secured a third-place finish with a 3-2 victory. Now, our final teaser of this World Cup is this. Which is the only country with two cities that have staged a World Cup final? Tune in to our next and final podcast to find out the answer. That's it for now. Many thanks to my guests today, Alison Rudd, Matt Dickinson and Henry Winter. Subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet for just a pound a week for your first eight weeks. Search The Times subscription for more information. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast supplier. And we'll be back on Sunday night after either France or Croatia have been crowned world champions. See you then. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.